Welcome to Politics is Everything, where we venture outside the White House and U.S. Capitol to see how politics in the era of Donald Trump is having an impact on virtually everything. I'm Caitlin Huey Burns, national political reporter for Real Clear Politics and your host for this podcast. Each week, I examine an industry or an issue affected by politics in a new way. And for today's episode, I'm going out into the field. That's right, sports fans. While Americans traditionally look to sporting events as a respite from the daily grind and the current events, nothing is sacred these days. As we've seen from leaders in other industries, professional athletes and coaches have been weighing in on political issues. A bit later on in the show, I'll chat about this trend with Mike Wise of ESPN's The Undefeated. We'll also talk about how politics and sports have connected in the past and how our politics has taken on properties associated with sports. Since we're wrapping up the NBA Finals, we'll start with one of its stars. LeBron James campaigned for Hillary Clinton in Cleveland last year, and he's been vocal about issues like criminal justice reform and police violence. After his home was vandalized with racial slurs recently, James spoke out again about race in America. It just goes to show that um, that racism uh, will always be a, a part of the world, a part of America. And, um, you know, hate, um, you know, in America, especially for African American, um, is, uh, is living every day. And even though that you know, that it's concealed most of the time. Even though people hide their faces and will say things um, about you and when they see you, they smile on your face. Um, it's alive every single day. No matter how much money you have, um, no matter how famous you are, no matter how many people admire you, um, you know, being, being black in America is, is tough. His top rival on the court, Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, has been an outspoken critic of Donald Trump. And he hasn't backed down from it, even when it comes to things like brand endorsements. Curry is one of the most prominent faces of Under Armour, but he took issue with CEO Kevin Plank when he praised Trump as a real asset. The company then had to release a statement arguing that Plank was talking about the president's business policies. Curry's coach, Steve Kerr, is among the more candid coaches in professional sports when it comes to politics. Kerr, whose father was killed in an attack in Beirut in the 1980s, is critical of the administration's proposed travel ban. If we're trying to combat terrorism um, by banishing people uh, from coming to this country, uh, by uh, really going against the principles of what our country is about and, and creating fear. Um, it's the wrong way to go about it. But perhaps no one has been as vocal as Greg Popovich, coach of the San Antonio Spurs. It was a very weird night for many reasons, which I don't think any of us can, you know, grab onto. It's like trying to figure out the presidency, same same. <laughs> to this day, I just, I feel like there's a, a cloud, a pall over the, the whole country in a, in a paranoid, surreal sort of way. It's got nothing to do with the Democrats losing the election. Uh, it's got to do with the way one individual conducts himself. Uh, and that's uh, it's embarrassing. Uh, it's dangerous to our institutions and what we all stand for and what we expect the country to be. 
but for this individual, he's in a game show. For analysis on this kind of political activism, I turn to Real Clear Sports editor Corey Gunkel. And that's something that we just haven't seen before from superstar athletes in the past. You know, Michael Jordan was famous for saying Republicans buy Jordans, too, in response to his shoes and why he doesn't speak out more about the issues. You know, kind of taking a business stance to it and saying, look, I want to keep a balance because I'm trying to sell merchandise and Republicans and Democrats both buy this stuff. But uh, LeBron James is taking a different note, and I think he kind of feels responsible for doing this. You know, he feels like it's a burden of responsibility for him to speak out on social justice. You know, we've seen him talk about Black Lives Matter. Uh, we've seen him go up on stage at the ESPYs and speak about uh, police brutality and reform in the criminal justice system. So it's really started with him, and you start to see other athletes kind of follow his lead, especially in the NBA, where I think it's most prevalent where athletes are able to speak their mind, and coaches as well. Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, two head coaches in the NBA, they have gone on tirades against President Donald Trump in recent weeks and recent months after and before NBA games and press conferences. That's just not something you see in other sports, really. So I think the NBA has really taken on, uh, I guess, the, the, taken to the forefront when it comes to political activism and sports recently. And then you have recently... Inez Cantor, who's an NBA player whose father was actually imprisoned in Turkey. And, uh, you know, he, he started that kind of activism as well on Twitter and on social media and getting the word out there and has been very outspoken about the Turkish government in recent days. So, I mean, the NBA is a great example for this when sports and politics collide because it's so out in the open and they're just not afraid to to delve into it like you see in other sports, especially the NFL. When it comes to the NFL, the intersection of sports and politics is playing out a little bit differently. Team owners and coaches have good relationships with Donald Trump that predate his presidency. Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick of the Patriots are prominent examples. What a great day it is to be with all of our friends at the White House. We celebrate the Super Bowl New England Patriots World champions, Super Bowl champions, champions, period. And their historic win. Tom Brady was frequently asked to weigh in on Trump in the lead-up to this year's Super Bowl, which drew some parallels to the 2016 campaign. NFL owners are also more likely to donate to the Republican Party. For example, Trump nominated New York Jets owner Woody Johnson to be ambassador to Britain. But one of the bigger headlines in sports right now involves Colin Kaepernick, the former 49ers player known for taking a knee during the national anthem out of protest to the country's treatment of African Americans. Kaepernick garnered a wave of backlash and weeks of controversy. And now he's looking for a job. I think any objective look at the Colin Kaepernick situation uh, would basically come down to him being essentially blackballed by the NFL because of his political stance, you know. And for, for a, a short background, if, if people don't know, you know, Colin Kaepernick decided to start taking a knee for the national anthem during the preseason. Uh, people started to notice. He continued that throughout the regular season. And then, uh, you know, parted ways with the San Francisco 49ers at the end of the season and is now a free agent quarterback looking for work. And last year he threw for 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, um, he's you know, objectively better than a lot of the backup quarterbacks that are being signed right now in the NFL, and it, it can only be really attributed to his political views and the stance that he took uh, or the knee that he took, uh, you know, better said, <laughs> because mm -hmm. right now he can't find a job. And it, it is a very interesting dichotomy because there are NFL owners who say they're all about winning, 
and they, they say, look, we'll sign you. It doesn't matter if you've had problems in the past with the law, if you've had problems with drug and alcohol abuse, you know, we will try to rehabilitate you and we will try to get you on the field to help our team win. But when it comes to Kaepernick, uh, it's a different situation. A lot of NFL owners are conservative. 25% of all NFL owners donated a million dollars to Donald Trump's inauguration fund. Uh, and so for them, one is an ambassador for the United States now and Woody Johnson for the New York Jets. So mm-hmm. you have, there's such a balance there where they're trying to balance their personal political beliefs, the fact that they think fans might react to it negatively by signing Colin Kaepernick, and the fact that there's going to be a big media scrum when they sign him, and they're using that as an excuse not to, uh, not to have him play. So, so it's certainly something that you're seeing recently uh, where politics and sports collide in a big way right here. Sports and politics have been married really since the existence of sports itself. I mean, you can go back, you can go all the way back to, you know, when the Olympics were started. <laughs> you know, we want to go back that far. But even in America, you know, with the Olympics and, I mean, Richard Nixon had a really special relationship with the Washington Redskins that would give them pet talks. And, you know, there was an urban myth that he even called plays sometimes for them from the White House. So uh, it, it's always been a really interesting marriage. ESPN recently conducted a survey of its audience in order to combat the narrative that the cable station's declining ratings and rounds of layoffs were due in part to perceived liberal bias. The survey found that 64% of respondents thought the outlet had the right mix of sports news and political issues. But the fact that such study was conducted made headlines. Right now, I think the, the, the most interesting and unique thing uh, is what we talked about with ESPN and just how recently you're starting to see uh, people really think that the biases uh, that ESPN has are starting to lean a certain way. Before, ESPN was accused of being biased towards teams. In the 90s, it was the East Coast bias. ESPN loves the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, um, a lot of the East Coast teams because they play well, and then the Dallas Cowboys, who are quote-unquote America's team. But that has shifted now from being ESPN being called biased against certain specific teams and regions to being biased politically, and you just didn't see that before. And so when, when they give Caitlyn Jenner the uh, ESPY's Courage Award, uh, it incites a reaction from people. Or when they cover the Colin Kaepernick saga, it, it incites a reaction that wasn't there before. But it goes both ways. You know, Fox is perceived as, as a conservative bias, Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, what some people would consider a, a conservative lean, but both – Networks are still losing subscribers, and it's because of the changing sports landscape. But I think just the fact that we are now seeing sports networks called biased is just a byproduct of the hyper, uh, the hyper-partisan kind of news media that we've delved into in recent years. A lot of people watch sports to escape the other worlds that occupy their daily lives. They want to get away from the politics. They want to get away from the news of the world. And they just want to sit back, crack a beer, and watch the Cowboys play the Saints on TV. And that's perfectly fine. But I don't think you'll ever find a situation in which sports and politics won't be married and won't be connected in, in some really deep way. Uh, and it's, it's kind of impossible to ignore. So there is, I completely understand when people say, look, I just want to turn on the TV and I want to watch sports. I want to watch these guys throw a ball around for a couple of hours and just forget everything. The problem with that is uh, it's almost impossible because when Colin Kaepernick uh, makes such a, a, a brazen stance that he did and, and a, a stance that a lot of people consider uh, newsworthy, and which was newsworthy and, and which garnered a lot of attention, uh, it has to be covered, and, and, and it's a part of sports. It then becomes a part of sports. When an NFL owner 
donates to a presidential candidate, it becomes a part of sports. So, uh, you know, when, when these stands are taken, when you see social justice start to become a platform for athletes, uh, it has to be covered. So, yeah, there, there is there is definitely an argument to be made that, look, just, just go out, roll the ball out, and let's watch this because we want to use it as an escape portal. But it's hard to do that when politics and sports are so interconnected and have been since the existence of sports. While politics and sports are meeting in new ways, it's undeniable that the two have long been linked. Barriers broken down by women and minorities in sports have shaped our country's cultural landscape, and there is still much more to be done. I chatted about this with Mike Wise of ESPN's The Undefeated, a platform that focuses on the intersection of race, sports, and culture. He joined me from Cleveland, where he was covering the NBA Finals. I think the biggest thing, in my estimation, is there's been this sort of renaissance of social conscience among athletes, and I never really saw that coming. Um, for years, after sort of the, uh, I guess they called it the Cleveland Summit, that involved Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and some of the most prominent African-American athletes of the time, um, up until... I guess Arthur Ashe um, went to South Africa and, and launched a very significant apartheid protest. I want to say between mid-80s to in the last five years, there was a real dearth of athletes speaking out about things outside of sports. And they just felt like, one, that their endorsements might be heard, and two, that they didn't want to turn off owners that might hire them. Mm. And now we're in a situation where the country is in such unrest, civil unrest, um, and, and it's so polarized politically that I think a lot of athletes have decided to use their platform for things bigger than just the game and making money. <laughs> I think that's it. No, I, you know, there's a lot of philanthropic athletes out there. I don't want to, um, I don't want to cast aspersions on Michael Jordan and people like Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, and those people because. Mm-hmm. What I thought Magic and Michael did more than anybody almost was kind of give a blueprint to show how the African-American athlete could succeed after athletics and sort of, mm. you know, they, they economically empowered generations in many ways. But the fight in the 60s obviously hasn't been won. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so there's some people that have taken up some males. And when a prominent player like LeBron James, for example, does it, it makes it that much easier for for other players less significant to do it. So so I think that would be the biggest thing. I think there's just this, this rush of social activism and people speaking out like I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And not just players, right? I mean, coaches. Um, Steve Kerr stands oh, yeah, out. Oh, yeah, the NBA. And, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, what's, I mean, shoot, what's the Stan Van Gundy, uh, Steve mm-hmm. Kerr, uh, mm-hmm. Greg Popovich, mm-hmm. they've, all, they've all taken on our current president in various ways for some of for the misogyny, some for the way the campaign was run and um, but the bottom line is uh, there's there's clearly a this this feeling that no one's prevented from speaking out about these things and even if it runs counterintuitive to some of their own employers and their owners they they don't seem to care they want to speak their mind have they seen any pushback uh either uh from people saying they won't attend the games or um anything like that I think the biggest obvious one is uh, Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That is, he's this quarterback, obviously, that people know didn't stand for the national anthem and did so because he felt like the un- 
unrest between uh, uh, the, I guess, the, the divide between police and the people of color in this uh, society was so great that he didn't feel like this country represented what he thought it should. And people took that as just, <laughs> you know, he, you know, he could have been in Joseph McCarthy's communist list in the fifties. Um, he just, uh, it just went on and on. And I'm not sure if that's because the NFL fan bases are different or the, the NFL owners are such that they don't want to hurt their own bottom line because they sort of cloak themselves in patriotism every year, throwing out a hundred yard flag across the field for their opening game. I don't know exactly what it was, but I know that he's on, un- he's unemployed right now. And I don't think he's that bad a quarterback. <laughs> hmm. So I think there's, there's, there's been some people pay the price a little bit. Um, I think it also is predicated on Kalen, how, how good, are, how good an athlete of your, you are what's your earning power i think lebron james for example could say that he didn't like the president he didn't want to stand for the national anthem and um and also he had a real problem with easter bunnies and i think still um, (laughs) many teams around the country would sign him because it's lebron james Mm. what's interesting too so i think some of it's predicated on how how popular and good you are it's interesting, too, with LeBron, because uh, he campaigned for a presidential candidate. Have you seen that before? Um, do you think he's serious? I don't know. I think he owns an NBA team before he's a presidential candidate. But you never know. No, I mean, he, he campaigned for Hillary Clinton is what I mean, I should say. Uh, he, oh, he, I'm he, sorry, yeah. He, he oh, campaigned yeah, for yeah. a presidential right. candidate, which yeah. is pretty interesting. He went out there and he, out there and he put himself out there and... Clearly, he didn't sway the boat, did he? <laughs> but, right. but I think that, um, I mean, I remember uh, Kurt Schilling um, was very um, complimentary of George Bush, and during a time that it wasn't uh, very um, cool to be popular for George Bush, for, for, to be in favor of George Bush. And he's sort of a, and you had all these New England fans, I think, and you see it with Tom Brady right now, and and Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, and Bill Belichick, the general manager, who both of which have, you know, in, attended not inaugural balls uh, on behalf of, you know, during, after Trump, after Donald Trump was elected. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of New England sort of, uh, you know, what I call neoliberal fans that would be up in arms about the whole thing. Like, wait, that's our coach. That's our that's our that's our owner. Mm-hmm. They can't be they can't be Trump supporters. And so I think fans are starting to sort of. You know, some fans are sort of, hey, what happened to the stick to sports days? How come you guys, are, you know, you guys are giving Dan Snyder in Washington and gave Trump's campaign along with several other owners? And so, yeah, there's a, there, there's a, um, clearly, you know, sports people in figures in sports are getting politically involved as they never were before, spending money and time for things that they think are more important beyond the field. And yeah, I, I, I think anybody that criticize, I mean. I don't think anybody, I don't have problems with people criticizing them. I do have people in the media criticizing the activism on either side, irrespective of where your political feelings lie, because for years, all we did was knock these athletes for not being involved in these things. And we said that they're so beholden to their corporate interests that they were soulless. And now that they're speaking out, I don't think, I, I have a problem with people going the other way and saying, well, why don't you just stick to sport? And I think, uh, for some reason, that rings hypocritical to me. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And, and it's and, mostly people in my own profession. I have, however fans come down on it, that's on them. They're, they're season ticket holders. They still deserve to feel how they want. But I, I, I kind of feel very provincial about my own profession. I see media members taking on Colin Kaepernick. And I'm like, wait a minute, you were the guy who said that uh, these guys need to stand up for something more than their own power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now that they're standing up for something you don't necessarily like to be standing up for, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so... Right. Well, that kind of brings me to to my next question, which is, you know, this idea of uh, of athletes getting more politically engaged. I'm wondering, um, you know, it seems specific to this moment, this kind of clash that we're having and responses to Donald Trump's presidency. But do you expect this kind of thing to continue? Um, You know, is, is LeBron James, for example, setting a precedent? I mean, he also had um, some very uh, poignant words about racism after his home was vandalized. Um, and mm-hmm. also, uh, he and other athletes have engaged in, in, you know, policy issues like criminal justice and yeah. uh, police violence and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, I, 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 think, I hope that it, it remains this way. I don't think it's bad. I think... I will say this, and I don't know if this will be controversial or not, but, um, you know, LeBron James's house wasn't just vandalized. He had a racial slur spray painter on his gate mm-hmm. and right. um, in, a fan, in a house that his family and him live in. And, and so I think there's this feeling that somehow um, that it's, it feels like most of the people speaking out right now uh, very vociferously as athletes are African-American athletes. And mm-hmm. when... Uh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Paul, and Carmelo Anthony took the stage at the ESPY Awards last year and spoke about how they want to bridge this gap between police and law enforcement and the black community. Um, I thought it was great, but it also, I, I kind of was feeling like, you know what, what if Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or something came out there? Like, the idea that somehow there are so few white athletes getting involved, and it's almost like they haven't even... I don't feel like they realize that this might be part of their fight, too, and what's wrong with standing up for something, even if they feel the other way. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't care, but for them to sort of duck out, I was, I was especially impressed when I heard that Chris Long, who happens to be white Patriots uh, player, uh, boycotted the victory celebration at the White House for the Patriots. And not because they necessarily enjoyed not going to the White House, because I've been there and it's frankly, a part of American history, whoever's in the office. But, mm-hmm. but the fact that he was actually, he actually stood up, and he just had to be a white athlete. Like, I feel like if only the black athletes in this country are speaking out right now, they're, they're preaching to the choir. You know, other people need to speak up. And if you have a social conscience, irrespective of your color, uh, you know, you should stand up with your teammates and with, you know, who, people who are brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Right, about, about that White House visit, um, that made a lot of headlines. Uh, the Super Bowl, you know, kind of became uh, politicized in some ways, kind of representing uh, uh, Trump versus uh, America in the election in some respects, just given uh, constituencies, con- given his relationship with um, Bob Kraft and uh, Belichick and even Tom Brady. Um, what about the, the boycott from some of these players of the White House? I mean, was that new? Have we seen that kind of thing before? Tim Thomas, a uh, goalie for the Boston Bruins, I believe in 2000, 
2009, maybe 2010, um, boycotted a trip to the White House because he didn't believe in the Obama administration and policies. He didn't go with the Bruins. So um, it's been done before. I don't know how many times and how many athletes have um, done it, but um, you know, the, the, we're in such a we're in such a place now that it's almost not required, but it's almost you're going to see more of it. I, I look back to like the times when people used to uh, visit the Clinton White House or the Reagan White House uh, as sports teams, and they just we weren't we weren't we weren't as polarized then, and it was sort of like yeah, I completely disagree with the president on this issue, but darn it, I'm going to the you know an institution in this country, and it's a great moment, and I don't want to ruin it by celebrating it. As Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, said to me not too long ago, he said, I, I don't endorse our players not going to the White House only because if you've really got a problem with the president, why don't you, why don't you tell him face-to-face how you feel? Mm. Of course, I said, well, Adam, with all due respect, I, I don't think they're going to be receptive to that in a moment in which they're giving them an award for having such a great season. But sure. either way, I, I, I kind of got it. Like, if, you, if you're really that upset about something, Tell the man in charge. Um, so I, I don't you know. I don't know if it'll continue. Um, I'm interested in it. What I'm interested in, Caitlin, is what the heck's going to happen if the Golden State Warriors win this thing? And Stephen Curry's already spoken out against the president. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve Kerr, the coach, she's already spoken out against president. Like, at some point, if the if the story of boycotting becomes bigger than the ceremony itself, I could see the Trump administration just canceling the team business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And what al- what's also interesting about this president is that, you know, we know that he tweets a lot and he'll tweet about these kinds of things. I mean, he uh, tweeted at the New York Times after they misrepresented a photo taken uh, with the Patriots. So, uh, you know, he, he also responds yeah. to these, these things in real time. Um, but it is also interesting that we have a president who has these relationships uh, with these coaches or with these um, um, heads of, of uh, sporting organizations, um, you know, because he, he wasn't in politics yeah. before. He was in a different kind of world. I'm wondering if you could, you know, speak a little bit about the, the impact of that and kind of how these how these owners have to perhaps separate yeah. their own interests and uh, relationships kind of for the broader for the broader game. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one because I, the only reason I, I don't, you know, I guess you come across Donald Trump at a fundraiser or he goes mm-hmm. to a game. I know he's a sports fan. I remember used to see him occasionally at Ranger games in New York mm-hmm. when I used to work in New York years ago. But, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think anything you do or say now, you run the risk of alienating your fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you align yourself with a political candidate that someone else doesn't like, um, it becomes polarizing if you if you if you don't uh, support somebody, you become anti patriotic. And so I think that it's it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I understand corporate interests and and not not alienating season ticket holders. I also think at some point, you know, it's a it's a cliched saying, but I've always carried around in my own professional life, and I think it's. It should be applicable today. It's you know you stand for something or you fall for everything. And if you really have a conviction about something, I don't think it should matter about how who, how much money you make, how much money you might make. If it's going to cost you your job and your life, and you can't pay your bills, I suppose you might keep keep your mouth shut a little and try to earn whatever money.
you can and the finite number of you finite number of years you have as an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. But I, I salute the ones that actually speak up and and say something because I think it's one of those things when you when you wake up on your deathbed, you know, and you don't you always the regrets you have aren't that you follow everything everybody told you to do. It's that you didn't speak out when you probably should have. And, you know, kind of along those lines, I mean, uh, we, we talk a lot about, you know, how sports and pol- politics are intersecting now, just given the time. But um, sports has, you know, represented big political moments or big cultural moments, big moments in, in history, you know, especially uh, African-American athletes breaking certain barriers, um, other, yeah. other aspects. I'm wondering if you can kind of talk about that in this context. Well... I will say to this, that it's in a way sad that we've sort of um, become so, uh, not not polarized, but we, 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 we've just become uh, so chained to our own ways and set in our own ways and, and our own beliefs that we really don't hear um, people that we need to hear from, we hear what we want to hear. And so... I look at I look at the whole sports landscape, and mm-hmm. outside of an American classroom, it's probably still um, the greatest um, integrator of all. I mean, mm-hmm. you see people of all colors, all creeds, all religions playing together, watching together, and so so these stadiums around the country are you know are one. I think when people meet around a water cooler at work or in their lunchroom, mm-hmm. they're now having conversations around sports and politics that involve drugs, that involve racism, that involve domestic violence. It, sports mm-hmm. has become a microcosm. I hate to say it, but sports has become what politics used to be. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, Chris Lizzie used to be a colleague of mine, mm-hmm. and I like many of the people I used to work with, and they were in plot, and they did a lot of political work. And I, I don't want to diss all the political journalists, but I feel like some of them, politics for them is what sports used to be. It's a horse race. And there's no context. It's just who's doing bad this week, who's doing who's doing well, and we're going to rate it this way and this way. And, and I think there's almost more nuance now in sports than there is in politics. Mm. So, um, and, and I think that many many of life's issues get talked about, whether it's transgender, whether it's um, whether it's gay athletes coming out in sports, and they they do more and uh, they do so more in life almost. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean that that. I don't know if I answered your question. That was that was a huge broad answer, but but that's all I could come no, up. No, it's and, and it was a broad question. So it it, it kind of brings me to my next question, yeah. which is um, this idea that you know people are so engaged in politics now, whether they choose to be or not. It's just everywhere. It's everything, right. which is of course the theme of this whole podcast. But in a thing like sports. Um, you know, do you think that people, um, as much as athletes are becoming more engaged, at least publicly, using uh, their own platforms to make political statements, uh, do you think that that sports fans kind of say, "Look, I, I wanted to. I'm a fan because it takes me away from all of uh, all of the news, all of the you know current events. It's it's a release. Um, is what do you make of, of, of that kind of thing? I think it's a fair criticism of our profession that, that somehow we, um, you know, we need to remember that sports is a is, is a respite from real life in many ways. Um, every every uh, every um, year um, for about the last five years, I've had the privilege of being invited to this sort of what I would call 
High Church Washington Party. It's the only Pupu event, Pupu event I go to all year mm-hmm. that's like this. But it's it's hosted at George Will's house, and the mm-hmm. Nationals owner, um, the, the learners, help put it on with George. And he's got this wonderful house in Chevy Chase. And he's got mm-hmm. every book that I'll never be able to read because I'm not smart enough. But but and everybody shows up to this party in suits, and we all eat Sammy Carpaccio, and you'll see mm-hmm. Donna Brazil, the Democratic strategist, basically mm-hmm. kibitzing with some Republican strategists, and you all, and you wonder, and I said to George Will once, I said, hey, I go, I, you know, all this civil unrest, and people yelling at each other on TV, like, kind of need to just have a night like this, and he goes, this is what Washington used to be, but mm-hmm. in that little, in that little thing, uh, the, the, just this last time, Kelly Conway, uh, Kelly and Conway and Sean Spicer walked in. And Spicer, of course, was taking pictures of everybody. He was a little celebrity because mm-hmm. now being infamous is now famous in society. Mm-hmm. But but Kellyanne Conway, uh, who's a big sports fan and said she'd read me in the Washington Post at some point when I was a sports columnist there, was mm-hmm. very much like, well, you know, I just want to read sports. I don't want to see all this uh, all this other stuff about, you know, this and that and these political thoughts. And, and mm-hmm. I go, I get it. And she sort of, she sort of, thought that some of the layoffs at ESPN were uh, correlated to like people's political beliefs in, the, in this in ESPN coming out. And I, and I kind of joked with her. I said, yes, we, we got all the left leftist social engineers um, <laughs> out of the fray now. Um, unfortunately, there were only two people left, so we had to hire them all back. But, <laughs> but I was like, you know, come on. Like, you really think that we – and she, she was adamant about it. And, and mm. she was like, I just want to see sports. And I got that part of her argument, but there's mm-hmm. something that, you know, do you, do you really want to weigh everything and do you want to weigh, but, but I was also kind of like, we live in a world now where there's bigger issues and the side I work for at the undefeated, you know, it's, it's the intersection of sports, race, and culture. Mm-hmm. It's, it was created specifically for issues in sports and, and to go deeper all the time and not just do scores. So, um, so mm-hmm. I think, I, I think there's so much content now you can get a little boat. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd, I'd like to end on the, the question related to that, which is what what else is on your radar regarding regarding your beat besides the playoffs? Oh, man, I got I, I've got these great I've got these great ideas, um, and I just need my editors to green light them. And most of them involve going to Kirby and Island Ridge more and finding a sprinter for the Olympics, but they don't they don't seem to think that's as important. I want to stay home and do other stories. Um, but but in all seriousness, I think um, you know I'm working on a story of a playground legend that uh, you know used to play with LeBron James and pick up games and and had a triumph for the Warriors and he was sort of like he's, he's kind of falling on hard times. But it's a great story about how you make it in life and how you don't. And um, and then I am I'm also working on a story about a wrestler who's maybe running for the mayor, a former professional wrestler who's running for the mayor of Houston. And um, without going into too much detail, I'll just say that he, it's about, it's probably, if I had to give an elevator pitch for the story, it would be about a guy who used a fake sport to become an authentic man. And I've got some great anecdotes, some good back history about him. And so mm. I think those, those are the two most ones I'm excited about now. Mm. And and in terms of issues and, and ways in which politics is, is having an effect on on sports and the industry at large, what what are what questions do you have, or what are you looking for in the next uh, in the next few months? I'd like to see um, 
I, I, I'd like to see, uh, like, not just summits where people talk um, and, and actions of sort of defiance in front of the flag. I'd like to see some really grassroots um, give and take in the communities um, where people sit down with, Carmelo Anthony did this in Los Angeles not too long ago. You actually go to the communities and sit down and have have kids in some of the poorest communities and the richest communities sit together in the auditorium and, and talk and ask questions of, of the athletes and each other and law enforcement and, and sort of um, start getting getting more to the young minds. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that would be that would be that would be one thing because if we learn anything, I feel like if we learned anything overseas, it's that. Um, Gosh, until until we change a mindset, we're going to be at war with a lot of people for a long time. And and the best way to change those mindsets is start educating children young that you know we're in this together. And so, mm-hmm. so I think if that can happen domestically, and I think that the, the NBA and other leagues can be a part of that, and, and shoot, the undefeated for that matter, um, to be a little proactive and and do some strategic advocacy. I'm, I hate some of the advocacy journals in this country because it's so militant, whether you're watching MSNBC or Fox News. Uh, I think, you know, I almost feel like sometimes I have to watch the BBC to mm-hmm. see what's really going on in our country. Mm-hmm. But, but I do think there's places for strategic advocacy, and I think that that's one of them.